Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developer's podcast, living large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, and today I'm introducing a new podcast, and it's Scaling Tech with Debbie Madden. As some of you may know, Debbie is the founder and the chairperson at Stride, and I remember many, many moons ago when we got the blessing from Debbie to start The Rabbit Hole podcast, and it was just three little bunnies, me, Dave and William at the time, you know, doing our best to take our experiences and share it with the world. And Debbie's now stepping into the ring, which is awesome. She is an amazing person with a lot of experience and a lot of connections. Part of the reason why she wanted to build the Scaling Tech podcast is because like as of right now, due to the pandemic, there's not a lot of events that can happen or you know, these spaces that exist for networking and collaboration, it's just a lot harder. And she has an anecdote about, you know, 2019, where it was a time where, you know, there were all sorts of different tech events in New York and across the nation. And something that she had mentioned post-pandemic, if we can't bring the tech leaders to the network, we will bring that network to the tech leaders, which I thought was pretty dope in a good way to summarize her podcast. In the Scaling Tech podcast, episode after episode, you'll hear top tech leaders and experts in their fields sharing firsthand successes, failures, and lesson learned about the topics that are a high priority for today's tech teams. And I think if you want to hear from high positions such as like the CTO or a VP, I imagine Debbie's going to have them on the podcast. The episode that I wanted to share is with Josh Seiden, where they talk about outcomes over output. And I thought that that would be relevant to us as, you know, software developer agilist, because, you know, there was a time where we were looking at output for things as opposed to the outcome of something. You know, we always get excited about, or actually in the past, you know, it was about the amount of lines of code that you wrote. And we all know that that is not exactly measurable in a way where we can, whether it's actually successful for the business or useful for the user. And they kind of break it down on like, how do you look at outcomes and how to, you know, identify whether something is an output or the outcome of something. And what I want to challenge folks is when they're given a piece of story or a task that needs to get done, you know, take a second look and see, like, what is the outcome of the task that's been given? Is it truly just, you know, removing lines of code or is it, you know, making removing deprecated pieces of code or lookups to make the website faster or your application faster. Yeah. So I'll now be, you know, sharing the episode here. And when you're done over here, feel free to subscribe to Debbie's podcast, which will be provided in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy it. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, 
and me, your host, Michael Nunez. Thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. Outcome is a, is a particular kind of result. And, and in my work, I found that it's really, really helpful to be really specific about what we mean when we say an outcome. An outcome is a change in human behavior that creates value. If you're a tech leader looking to learn today's best practices for leading high-functioning teams, you're in the right spot. In each episode, we learn from today's top tech leaders as they share their successes, their failures, and their lessons learned along the way. I'm Debbie Madden, and this is the Scaling Tech Podcast, your blueprint for scaling tech teams. Let's dive in. All right. Hey, everybody. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics. And uh, I don't know, Josh, if you knew it was one of my favorite topics, but um, we're talking about outcomes over outputs. And I have the wonderful pleasure of talking with Josh Seiden today. Josh and I go way back. And he is many things, um, um, a wonderful human being and a designer, a product person, an author, a coach. He works with teams to help them design and deliver products that people actually value, actually love. Companies of all sizes, right? Not only with, with things about outcomes and outputs, but general culture practices and processes to help us all be our best. Um, he is the author of the book, Outcomes Over Output, which we are going to focus on today. Also co-author with Jeff Gothelf with uh, the book Sense and Respond and Lean UX, two excellent books um, that are also near and dear to my heart. So we're going to get into um, kind of like the mistakes that we all make when we try to um, really focus on outcomes versus outputs. But first, I know you've been talking about this for a long time, but tell us briefly what is so important? What is this idea of outcomes over outputs What and why it's so important? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the fundamental idea is um, that you can make stuff, right? Like, you know, making technology, it's hard. We spend a lot of time making stuff and it's hard to make stuff. That The stuff that we make for this conversation, we'll call that output. You can make stuff that you think is going to deliver value, but it may not deliver value right? It may be hard to use. People may not even want it. People may not use it. Um, and so what's the point of making stuff that nobody uses or nobody values, right? And so what we want is we want to make stuff that people value. And so we, we call that value an outcome. And um, so the idea is like, let's, let's really think about what are the things that people value? What are the outcomes that we're trying to get? And then work backwards to get to the output that we need to make. Okay. So outputs are still in the equation, but they have to follow the outcome that we want to produce. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the funny things that I never expected. So my, the, the book is called Outcomes Over Outputs. And um, if people think that somehow I, I, I think that we shouldn't be making outputs, that outputs are evil in some way. And it's like, no, it's it's not. The book isn't called Outcomes, Not Outputs. <laughs> it's, it's Outcomes Over Outputs. Like, let's just think about the outcomes first, right? You still actually have to make stuff and you have to be good at making stuff and you have to make good stuff. But like all of that is in the service of this, this higher order thing, which is the, the, the outcome. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's so important because that, that, that 
people are very good at latching onto one thing. Oh, I get it. Outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. And then they focus on that and, and uh, minimize the importance of outputs, which are so important. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I've seen that in my own work as well. Um, so where do we get it wrong, right? When, when people listen to the Scaling Tech podcast, I'm talking to folks like yourself, and, and I really want folks to, to, to tune in when they're like, all right, I've, I've, I've tried this methodology. I've tried to focus on outcomes, but I, I just get stuck. And I think right now, today, outcomes and the idea of building things that are of value is, is so important, more so than a year ago. The name of the game this year is efficiency, right? And really kind of making sure that you are as high functioning as possible with your technology team. And I think this, this focus on outcomes is a key linchpin in that equation. So, so where do we get tripped up? What, what's like, uh, let's start with one you had mentioned, and I want to kind of drill into this, not actually changing the way that we work. So tell me about that. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think, you know, so outcomes, Outcomes is a way, uh, the, the technique of, of declaring the outcomes we're trying to achieve. We should probably start with like the definition of the, of, of outcome that we're going to talk about, because I think one of the mistakes is that people use the word, um, outcome to just mean results. And so outcomes and like outcome is a, is a particular kind of result. And, and in my work, I found that it's really, really helpful to be really specific about what we mean when we say an outcome. An outcome is a change in human behavior that creates value. Okay. So it's something that a user does differently, something that a customer does differently, or something that someone inside my organization does differently that creates value for the user, the customer, the business. When you say and, does differently, that could be as simple as placing an order? Yeah, right. So people place orders today at, you know, 5% of everything that, that people put in the cart uh, actually converts. Yeah. Okay. Right. People put things in the shopping cart. I'm making this number up. Uh, people put something in a shopping cart on our e-commerce site, but only 5% of those people check out. Yeah. Could we, over the next quarter, increase the checkout rate to 7%, right. to 10%, right. Got it. to 25%? So that's a change in customer behavior, right, that yeah. we're targeting. And, and you know, that, so, so, so that is really a very different definition of our work than saying we're going we're gonna, to uh, change the size and color and position of the checkout button, Right. Changing the size and position and color of the checkout button is is output. We're going to make something. It might work. Like it'll work from a functioning software point of view, but will it work to deliver value? We don't know. Maybe the problem has nothing to do with the button size, shape, and position. Maybe the problem is, I don't know, the shipping prices, or maybe the problem is something else. I don't know. And so... The first thing that happens is that we want to be really, really precise. And, and we, so you're asking me about mistakes. First thing is we want to be really precise about what we mean when we say an outcome. Okay, team, your job is to increase checkout rate of um, or you know reduce abandonment or whatever that mm-hmm. is. The second mistake, though, is actually taking that seriously. <laughs> That's actually changing the way we work. What does it mean, right? Um, like you see that all the time with OKRs, right? Right. 
Right. People do, they spend all this time in the beginning of the year and they write OKRs. And then they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever, business as usual. Mm. Right. As opposed to saying, well, actually, what do we need to do to increase the checkout rate in the cart? Do we know why people are abandoning at a high rate? Mm, we should go find that out before we just go ahead with, oh, we've got all this work in the backlog to change the size and position and color of the checkout button, right? Um, we should actually actually do some discovery, and that might be a different way of working, right? To to actually build product discovery into our process, right? Yeah. Or or to approach the problem cross functionally and say, well, maybe it's not actually a product problem. Maybe it it's the way we're marketing our services, or the way we're pricing our products, or the way we're incentivizing or fulfilling or whatever, right? And so to really take to really kind of think about outcomes seriously is to say, well, actually to ask that question, what do we need to do to deliver this outcome? And what do we need to change in the way we approach the work? And and then obviously you don't know if you're right, right? I mean, it's it's when you know when you're when you're trying to figure out how to change the way we work to deliver the outcome, you may be right or you may be wrong or or you yeah. may be less right than you thought you were right there's there's all sorts of change of gray in there oh if we do this right. thing in a double x but you might only increase x by 10% right and so i think it's 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 this this is where we 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 loop in the iterative nature of this right we we define what we want to change to deliver the value and then we also have to to iterate on it, right? As we're, as we're learning more and moving towards the future, okay, well, we thought it was going to double at its 10%. So we have to then go back and say, well, what else do we want to change? Or what do we want to change different, right? And the, this idea of, of just because you think you have a hypothesis, you might not be right. That's right. That's right. right. And, 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 and yeah, and, and that, it, that that's, that's such a critical component that being able to iterate and being willing to iterate, right? So, you know, and, and a lot of teams, like a lot of teams are are measured, their performance is measured by velocity, right? Mm-hmm. How many stories right. do we do we push through this the system? And to have to go back, it, it, it breeds kind of a culture that hates rework. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. it's like, well, we already we already fixed the cart, Josh. Why do we have to fix the cart again? Right. <laughs> Right. Well, right. And, and and so, you know, if the the if the mandate is over the next quarter, we're going to raise the checkout rate from five percent to twenty five. And in our first sprint, we push something out there and then we measure it for a couple of weeks and it's it's good, but not great. We want to be able to take another crack at it right? and another crack at it. And we want to keep taking those cracks at it through the whole quarter and we want to keep updating and being transparent about our progress and what's working and what's not working. And that's a very different conversation than saying, Oh, you know, here's our velocity for this quarter, right? Your velocity is probably, I mean, depending on how you think about it, but you know, the the number of features, the number of new features you work on is, is not going to be the measure. It's going to be the effectiveness of those features. And that may mean that you need to work on them over and over again. And, and I think I think one one mistake or one roadblock rather than a mistake, one roadblock that I see teams run into here is 
you you run into if the second you align yourself with with business value, which is an outcome, the second then you are now in this conversation with stakeholders that sometimes have a different level of agile fluency than the team building the feature, right? Not always, but most of the time, right? The stakeholders have like a, a lower level of, not always, but a lower level of agile fluency than the team building towards the outcomes. And then this, this idea of, of having that autonomy and that comfort to iterate uh, while also, you know, kind of managing up. I think, I think we get, I think we get, it's not necessarily a mistake, but it's, it's, we get stuck with this. Oh, we're, we're, we're agile. We're iterating. We're, we know that we're going to look every two weeks and see how we're doing, but, but there might be these external factors driving us towards um, a different, you know, outputs instead of outcomes, like get it done by this date. The card must be released by this date. I don't care if it works or not. I I just need it. Um, And again, I'm overgeneralizing for the sake of making a point, but you know, how do we get around like what do how do we communicate the value of the outcomes and iterating towards them once we we have to come in reality with the other folks (laughs) at our organization? You know, we've we've I think we've we're used to a conversation and we've built a conversation with with stakeholders that is built around kind of features and milestones, right? We're going to have this feature right. on this date, right? Right, and, and if it's going slowly, then we've trained our stakeholders with this concept of like, look how fast we're going, look at our velocity. Right. right. There's just a lot of work here in the queue, right? And so, you know, we're getting on this feature, we're, we're doing this feature, we're getting it by this date, our velocity is this good. And the con- that conversation really has nothing to do with are we achieving outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, um, it's not that that conversation is is useless. It's that there's a different conversation that we have to have along with it. And so, the different conversation is okay, stakeholders. We've agreed that our target for the quarter is this twenty five percent number. Now, we're going to keep you posted on our progress every week. And that progress is, oh, look, we we put this thing out. We think it's going to bump our numbers. Oh, look, look at the numbers we've got this week. We've grown by 2%. That's not good enough. We're going to keep going. Oh, look at this. We've grown by 10%. That's great, but uh, that's not what we said we were going to do, so we're going to keep going. Oh, we made this change, and we actually regressed. Whoops. (laughs) Right? And so there's a kind of, um, you have to keep this line of communication open to demonstrate the fact that you're actually navigating through this unknown, right? This sort of, this this territory where we don't know the answers, but look at how good our team is at finding the answers. Right. And And that's the story that we want to be telling. Look at how good we are at finding the answers rather than look at how good we are at building stuff. Right, right. It's important, but- and this goes to, I think, a thing that trips people up, which is that conversation around how we prioritize and commit to work, right? And uh-huh. uh, it's not that the conversation needs to be different. It just needs to be, um, or it ought to be um, in addition, right? Because there are there are external factors of the team, of the product, of the organization, 
right? Things in the marketplace might change, things in the industry might change. All that being said, um, it is that 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 continuous look into progress towards the value that the team is committing to, right? And I think this goes back to, you know, um, you know, over the last 10 years, there's there's this ongoing debate of, you know, what what are what are agile teams committing to stakeholders? Are we committing estimates? Are we comp- committing throughput? What are we committing? And this idea of we agreed that this goal of 25%, you know, from 5% is what we're marching towards. And, you know, we might get to a point where 10% is good enough or not good enough for the next six months, but might then become second priority to something else, right? And so it's that it's an evolving, ongoing conversation, but we always have to think about the outcomes that we're driving towards, yeah, right? And so yeah. how do you how do we um, how do we make sure that we are committing to the right work um, or or as close to possible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I think that well, okay, so I guess one thing I should say here and and maybe this is I'm not exactly answering your question, but but I'm going to get to your question, I promise. <laughs> but one thing I should say is that thinking about outcomes and prioritizing outcomes is really, really valuable. It's a really useful way of working when we don't know the answer, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Like when we're trying to we're trying to do something and we don't exactly know how to do it, like checkout rates are at 5% and we need to grow them to 25%. We don't know how to do it. Yeah. Right. But there's other categories of technology work that we just have to do. Right. Right. You've got to, okay, we're going to move from this data center to that data center. Okay. But I, we can talk about some outcomes in that scenario too. But like, or we have to, there's this new regulation and we have to do this work to comply with the regulation. Like, there's very little uncertainty there. And in those kinds of scenarios, like being kind of feature based, can be okay, right? So committing to work and saying like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna uh, turn off the old data center on this date. So we have the new data center fully operational on this date, mm-hmm. you know, minus X so that we can do whatever we need to do. Like that's, there's certain kinds of work that that, that it's fine. But for work where we really don't know the answer, right? That's actually an important piece of the conversation with our stakeholders. So if this, you know, stakeholders are saying, well, we need you to rebuild the shopping cart. Okay, why? Why are we rebuilding right. the shopping cart? Right. Like, we could do that, but why are we doing it? Like, how will we know when we've rebuilt it correctly, right? And the answer isn't that we need to rebuild. Actually, we did, most of the time in those scenarios, we don't need to rebuild the shopping cart, right? What we want is, oh, well, we've got a problem with the checkout rates here. We've got high mm-hmm. abandonment rates, low checkout rates. Well, that's the problem that we want to be working on. And so in those situations, like being able to have that conversation that transforms the, the contract that we're making with our stakeholders, mm-hmm. whether that's a, a formal contract in a consulting situation or an informal contract internally, mm-hmm. we want to be talking about the uncertainty. We want to be talking about the problem and outcomes give us a way to do that, right? Right. And so that conversation should start when the initiative is chartered, 
right? And, and it's all about saying, well, like, what is the uncertainty here, right? And, and how will we monitor our progress? Right. And so really make sure that you, I mean, literally ask the question, what is the uncertainty here? Because even if there is no uncertainty, then you'll draw, oh, there, there's very little uncertainty here, right? And so it would be confirming to hear that. And if if there is uncertainty, even if we can't quantify how big that uncertainty is, the fact that we understand that we're going into uncharted territory is really important to have at the start of, like you said, the formal or the informal contract. So I think, I think that's, yeah. that's key. Right. And then, and then, you know, and then what happens, I've seen this happen. I'm sure you've seen this happen is um, the people move fast these days and, and someone in their head has d- connected a bunch of dots and said, I need you to rebuild the shopping cart. And then if we're thinking about outcomes, we might start with, okay, what's the uncertainty here? Uncover that it's really kind of percentage of people converting into buyers, into customers. And then you follow up with the question of, well, what would you say if I can increase that percentage without redoing the shopping cart? Is that still the outcome that you're looking for, right? It's almost like like kind of teasing apart like, like, okay, is this is this what you think needs to happen? And what if we can make your outcome happen without doing the out, right? Like almost almost kind of right. challenging folks to kind of pull apart those two things, I think is really a key way to unblock us from focusing on the work versus the 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 results, like you yeah. said at the beginning. Does that make is that, is that am I on track or am I off? Perfectly, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean Jeff Jeff Patton, uh, uh, my friend Jeff, uh, who is I think uh, just always really really clear about this. Jeff Patton says that our goal is always to achieve the maximum outcome with the smallest amount of output possible. Right. So how do you how do you make sure that the scale you know you're doing yeah. the, the little the the tiniest amount of work to achieve the maximum result. And so I think, you know, different stakeholders, listen, I, I've rarely met a stakeholder who will talk to you about their uncertainty, right? <laughs> leaders leaders get to a place of leadership by, you know, projecting a, 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 a an image of certainty. And so if you ask them, are you certain? Yes. They're like, hell yeah, I'm certain. What are you, what are you talking to me about? But so I've, I've been known them, to say that. Yeah, yeah, I've been known to say that myself. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course I'm certain. I'm certain. I figured it all out in the shower this morning. Um, so, uh, but but I think talking to, like some kinds of stakeholders will be really, really interested in talking to you about risk, right? And so mm-hmm. uncertainty yeah, is really right. like, it's, it, right, that you can talk about it that way. Like what could go wrong? What are right. the things that we don't know here that could cause this project to fail? And so that's one way to talk about the uncertainty. But the other way is to is to is to talk about it in terms of uh, exactly what you're saying. What if there was a way to do this same thing, get this benefit with less? Right? Could we do it with less? We had a we had a, a client. Um, I had a client that I worked for eight. Oh my goodness, eight plus years ago now, and um, they were they they were not a big budget client. They were a small organization, and they were trying to build a new digital marketplace. And they had built out a really big list of requirements for this two-sided 
uh, web-based marketplace. Okay. Um, it was like a, whatever, the, the details of it are, are not super important for this story, but, but we came to them and we said, how will you know that marketplace is working? And they said, well, we've, you know, we've, we've got this many of, of this side of the market on the marketplace. We've got this many of this side of the marketplace and okay. we've got, we've made this many transactions by this date. They had a six month deadline. They had to get this, this marketplace up and running. And we said, well, if we could get all of those transactions happening without a web-based marketplace, would you be okay with that? And they said, well, no, we're coming to you because we need a web-based marketplace. And we're like, okay, okay, good. So it has to be a web-based marketplace. Clear. Yeah. That's a minimal. Now, if we could do it without these features, would that be okay? And then we're like, oh yeah, we, you know, if it works without that, fine. Right. And right. we said, if we could do it without this, would that be okay? And they're like, yeah, if we could do it without that, that would be fun. <laughs> so in the conversation, we started to say, like, okay, the fo what's the focus? The focus was onboarding like a thousand of, I don't remember the number, but you know, onboarding X amount of these people on one side of the marketplace, onboarding Y amount of these people, and transacting X number of transactions. Uh, before those six months. And, and that was a super effective way to manage that project. And it really, really, it, it helped us and the client be really scrupulous about their, their spend because really they had a very limited budget. Right, and so right. none of us, none of us wanted to be spending time and building features that weren't going to deliver value for them. So. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's a great story and a great way to kind of Think about the framework for having the conversation, starting about risk, then diving into this idea of how how ought we might achieve the outcome through different paths, right? If you will, right? And so that's what you that's what I heard that you helped. That's kind of what I took away from that story. And so um the one one last question that's on my mind that I want to bring up is, um, you know, ninety percent of the problems are people problems. <laughs> so, <laughs> not only when it comes to outcomes, but other things as well. And so we've talked about changing the way we work. We've talked about how we talk about what we're committing to, and we've talked about building up those agile muscles. And the last thing I want to dig into is. How do we think about the way we organize our teams? Um, because the, this whole concept to me is kind of amorphous now that, you know, a lot of people are on teams yet working remotely and, and not everybody. I know some people are back in the office full time. Some people are part time. But I think the concept of organizing teams is complicated by the fact that Many teams aren't in person all the time anymore. And so, so how do we kind of make sure that we're organized in the, the um, you know, either the optimal way or the good enough way to make sure that once we have all the, you know, best laid plans, you know, we can actually, um, our organization isn't a roadblock. So how do we, how do we think about that? I mean, I, you know, I think one of the, one of the challenges, and this is, you know, this is a um, one of the, one of the challenges with with outcomes is that we're sort of we're, we're changing what teams are responsible for, 
right? Okay. So like, I, I think, you know, if you think about it as a, um, one of the ways that it would be possible to organize a team would be to say, you all are responsible for this part of the website or this part of the product, this feature, this feature, this feature, this feature, this feature, right? right? And so, you know, I, I like the, the analogy would be like a, a car assembly line, right? right? Like you all are the tire people and you all are the wheel people and you all are the axle people and you all put it all together, right? So you've got four teams there, yeah. right? Um, but instead, like with, with outcomes, we're saying, okay, people, people are not checking out. Just to go back to this example, we've been using this whole conversation, right? Checkout rate is low. Okay. Your team owns that problem. Okay. What do you work on? Is it the shopping cart? Is it the uh, landing page where you tell people how great your shipping policies are? Right. Is it your uh, product information page where people put things in the cart? Like, where's the problem and how did, how do you own that uh, across a large product? That's, that's not a, that's not a obviously easy problem to solve because we're giving people a mandate that might cut across lots of parts of our product. And so when we talk about organizing teams, we really need to think about, you know, how do you how do you organize a team that is responsible for a customer journey that might have responsibilities that touch lots of different pieces of the mm -hmm. product and give them permission to go do that and that's that's a that's a challenge with the way we um we organize our teams but it's also a challenge with the way we architect the product um and so you'll see teams that i've seen teams now that are working towards that, that are having these kind of two-tier uh, organizational structures where, you know, teams are building, some teams build uh, kind of basic capabilities. Um, the, I, I, uh, I saw, I don't know if they're still doing this, but I, I heard a presentation a few years ago from USAA, right? The, the bank, and mm -hmm. they have a, a layer of, of teams that work on capabilities like um, credit checks or, or interest rate calculations or things like that. And then they have another layer teams that are working on things like customer journeys, right? So you might have a mortgage team or a car loan team mm. or a home refi team. And those are stringing those capabilities together. And so it, it, it's a non-trivial problem, right? But yeah. it's it's definitely different from the way we organize teams today. Right. And I and I and I, you know, I've heard you mentioned um, organizing teams around customer journeys. I've also heard, I think it's identical or maybe adjacent organizing around value streams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a similar idea, I think. Similar idea. And I think, you know, one of the things I've seen present a real um, problem is when in, in bigger organizations, when part of the organization wants to organize in this way and other parts um, do not and will not, <laughs> and, then, and, and then you're in this situation where where I want to really solve this customer journey or this value stream, and I only can see sixty percent of it. <laughs> the other forty percent, I know it exists, and and it's thrown over to me when it's ready, but I can't see inside that box. And so I think you know we don't have tons of time to dig into that that thoroughly, but I but I'll kind of just zoom out and say. 
Um, I think it's so critically important to really think about how you organize your teams, either um, uh, good enough or ideally so that you are mapping the the pods the 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 scrum teams the the customer journey teams however we want to call them so that you are um at a minimum not adding um overhead <laughs> like there's like nothing is going to be perfect and again the bigger the company i think the harder this is right is like you know you and I have both seen, oh, we're reorganizing into business units. We're reorganizing across, you know, specialty. And then these big companies go through these, these reorgs and it's, it's, it's painful, it's messy. And, and sometimes it's not possible at all, right? Sometimes it just, it's just not feasible. But, but the takeaway is thinking, thinking about it and raising that question and trying to organize the teams around customer journeys. Like, would that get us part of the way there? Like what I mean, else? I think, no, I, I don't. I don't think you're really missing anything. I I just think that like at at that point you've got like that. There are organizational problems that stand in the way of using any method you can name. True. Right. True. And this is like the thing you're talking about now. It it's sort of like well, it it doesn't really have anything to do with outcomes. It doesn't really have anything to do with agile. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything except like the organization's not aligned right. in their, their vision of what they're trying to do. And uh, it's got pieces of the organization fighting each other. Got it. You know, got it. Got it. Then, so, yeah. So yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's a fair point. And so let's, Let's back up and kind of end where we started, because um, I do think that, um, you know, organizational um, um, uh, com- company organizational road, you know, uh, let me say that again, uh, the way that companies organize themselves is a um, a factor that could be a real, um, you know, headwind or it could be kind of like an asset, right? And it really kind of is important. And yet also it's off to the side. Um, and so cir- circling back, um, I think my biggest takeaway is uh, outcomes are um, something that we've been talking about now for uh, many years. They're more important now, I think, than ever. When, when, when the name of the game at company growth is efficient growth, the best way to get there is through focusing on outcomes that really starts with identifying what behaviors you want to change in the way you work, making that work visible and iterating towards the outcomes that you seek, um, whether or not you are certain or uncertain about them. And the more uncertainty there is, the more important an outcome-driven approach is. And then really kind of thinking about um, how we change the conversation around how we commit to the work that we're putting in and delivering. So... That's kind of like that's kind of like the sum up for me. Um, but what what's your what's your final thoughts on this? Like what what takeaways? You should you write a book about this, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you captured it really well. I think you know the for me one of the one of the great um, missed opportunities in our industry. We spend a lot of time working on software that doesn't deliver any value. The opportunity cost of that is really high. Yeah. So yeah. to me, the the question is how how can we learn to get better at you know um, 
building stuff that delivers value. And I think that, you know, there, there are a lot of ways you can think about that. But for me, I think having teams that can think about, identify, and then iterate their way towards these outcomes is a way of, of trying to capture back some of that uh, opportunity cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Josh, it's been, as always, a pleasure. I appreciate your time. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Always great to talk to you. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe, give it five stars, and more importantly, share it with someone that you think will benefit from listening. And remember, as always, think about the one to two key takeaways that you can apply today to help you and your team achieve your goals. Until then, keep iterating.